Thank you, Andre. Um, yeah, Terry Bradshaw and I, we go back a long ways, okay? But uh, beach-wise, I did sing a couple of years for the college uh, in Come Live Singers and, and that uh, quartet, if you remember those guys. Um, and had a lot of fun with that. But Terry Bradshaw and I, we, we go back a long, long ways, yeah. Um, it is good to be here with you. It's good to be able to open the Word, the, the word of God. I have enjoyed doing that for most of my life. Um, I began preaching, and I hated it, honestly. I didn't share this with the first, uh, uh, first service people. But uh, when I was in college, uh, sophomore in college, I was driving by my dad in construction. And uh, being the second of six boys, we were all cheap labor. That's what we were. Uh, my dad in construction, my mom was in real estate, and uh, she taught at Honduras College, real estate law, just some different things. But I remember passing by this one church and going, God, I'd just, I'd love to try preaching there someday. Well, the guy calls me up at a month later, and he says, I'm going to be out of town during Christmas. Would you like to preach? I said, sure. But the problem with all that was is that I had a hard time getting in front of people. I would physically lose my breath. I couldn't catch my breath, seriously. Um, and so what I would do in the beginning is tell a joke. Everybody's laughing while I'm breathing, okay? And uh, my, that sermon, my first sermon, it was 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. I got up and preached it. Guess how long it was? 12, 12 minutes. I was done. 12 minutes, I said everything I knew about God, Jesus, and the Bible. I was done, Okay. But uh, that's how it began, and I really had to work, over, uh, work through that fear of getting in front of people. I am so blessed. I was able to minister to the church there in Sunbury. We re- relocated, and uh, God just blessed us. And people came to Christ. The community was uh, changed because of our church. And that's what we all pray for. But I think my specialty was in taking smaller churches and help them, helping them to grow. Uh, I've had five churches in settings of uh, county seat and farming country and just all kinds of different. And God has blessed us each time so that lives were changed and communities were impacted. And I just thank God for that. Uh, for 20 years, I got to be at Sunbury. We moved in November. I retired in June after we moved. And um, I thought this was a good plan. You know, we went through a couple of capital campaigns. It was 1.2 million the first time and a little over 600,000 the second time. And I thought a good plan was to get the building built, get them in debt, and then retire. Isn't that great? Um, but now I get to still do kingdom work. And that is what I'm in the kingdom till the day I die, right? Aren't you? Yeah, and and we just got to figure out, okay, Lord, what's next? And so it kind of opened up for me that I can come alongside of churches and help them. If they're growing, probably have been through some of the things you're going through, and so I can come alongside of preachers and elders and leadership and say, this is what you need to watch out for. This is how it helped us. And then those who are stuck, we're just not making an impact. Maybe why can you come in and help? And that's what I get to do. And uh, I think a lot of it is, is kind of like being a grandparent. How many grandparents do we have here? Isn't it great? You get to be with the kids. You get to love them up, and then you get to send them back home. Isn't that good? Um, 
And that's almost what I get to do now. I get to love up with the leadership and work through different things. But now they have to work through what it takes to grow a church. I just use the word blessed. I'm so blessed. I really am. I'm sure that you use that word as well at different times. When someone sneezes, everybody says what? Yeah, God bless you. Uh, the word gesundheit, does that come to, what language does that sound like? German. Gesundheit actually means health or good health. And it comes from when people would sneeze, a couple of different um, historical backgrounds to this. There was a plague that was going around, and when people would sneeze, uh, people would say, God bless you, because they didn't want them to get the plague. And, and they thought maybe that was opening them up for it. So that's one. But before that even, there was the superstition that said, when you sneezed, your soul and your body would separate for just an instant. And so you would say, God bless you, in order to protect your body so that your soul would make it back in time before Satan would get in. Or demons or whatever. And so people would say, God bless you for protection. When we say, God bless you today, it's much more, I think, closely related to the Greeks. Before Jesus was, uh, the Greeks owned the world, and then the Romans when Jesus was here. But the Greeks, they had, there was an island in the Mediterranean Sea. It's really close to the Israel end of the Mediterranean, okay? It's the largest, it's over 100 miles long. It's Cyprus. And the Greeks would call the Cyprus island the blessed island. And what they meant by that word blessed is more than just happy. What they meant by blessed is everything that you would ever need in order to enjoy life at its best was in this island. That's what they meant. The climate was perfect. The soil was fertile. Could grow anything you wanted to. Good fishing, good land, good crops, good everything. Everything you'd ever need was self-contained in this island. And that's why they called Cyprus the blessed Island. When we look at the Beatitudes, which come from Jesus, and that's how he starts out the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. That word means more than just being happy. It means being fulfilled and having everything that I need. Okay? So that's kind of where I want us to go this morning. I want us to take on the eight different things that Jesus said, you are blessed if you're like this. You are blessed if you're like this. You have what you need in life. If this is your attitude, if this is the way you approach life. And the first one that he says is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor. We know what it means to be poor. It means to be without. It means to be in need. And so realistically, what we're looking at is that we recognize that we have a need. Now, when we go throughout the world and the rest of the week, it's awfully easy to compare ourselves with those who are around us. We have more than they have. They have more than I have. On the way here this morning, I looked at this really nice red sports car that just took off. Like, my son works at BMW, um, and, and so I, I noticed cars like that. And boy, this thing just took off. It looked, I go, boy, I don't have one of those. You know what it would be like for a preacher to have one of those? 
we are <laughs> not good, right? You know, I thought about it. There's a plan at BMW. My son gets a brand new BMW every 7,000 miles. Yeah. Oh, darn, right? Has to turn it in before maintenance is due and before tires are due and before all the other stuff. Well, now parents of can get that same program. All right? Mine's only $300 a month. Seriously, brand new BMW. Pays for the oil changes, pays for insurance, pays for everything. What would it look like for a preacher to be driving around in a BMW? So I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll just get it and let my wife drive it. But what would people be saying? You know what the preacher's wife's driving, right? That's what they would say. Then I thought, well, maybe on the license plate, I'll just say something like, thanks, son, you know, or something like that. But then I'd have to explain it every time. What we do is we compare ourselves with people around us all week long. And I think the very first thing that Jesus does is he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who recognize they have a need, spiritual need, and only God can fulfill it, period. And so we need to compare ourselves with God standing next door to him instead of next door to the other guy, all right? I think that's where he starts. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn. Sensitive. I have three children, and when we were growing up, Little House on the Prairie was a big thing. We would watch that together as a family. And it would always have a part in there that would just make you want to cry. The kids would turn around and look to see if dad was crying yet. That's where they would go. Blessed are they who mourn. Blessed are those who can get into the life of somebody else and feel it. Not just mourning for yourself. I think this has to do with being like God. God doesn't mourn for himself. He mourns for us. And I believe that when we begin to get into the lives of others and we've hurt with them, we then we understand what comfort is, but we also understand what it is to give comfort, and we become so much like God. Two weeks ago, we, uh, in my backyard, I've got about one acre, a little creek behind the, the house. We have Cemetery Hill. It's where all the kids' pets get buried. Anybody bury pets? You know, two weeks ago, we were burying this cat. Cat was 17 years old. Pretty good life. My granddaughters are 12 and 14, so they all come up and we're burying little. And tears are flowing. And they're mourning. You know, that cat, 17 years old, was around since they were born. They have a relationship with that pet. It kind of hurt because of that. So we talked about all kinds of things. Let me ask you this. One of the things we talked about, do you think pets, animals will be in heaven? How many of you think animals will be in heaven? Yeah, how many of you don't know? How many of you don't care? Okay. Um, no, I've got, <laughs> I have two dogs I hope do not make it to heaven, okay? <laughs> Just two. But they nailed me. Um, no, or else God will change their personality, one or the other, right? Um, but we start talking about that. What do you think? You know, and, and it's a little side tangent here. 
Never tell a child that their pet is not going to be in heaven. That, that's just cruel, okay? But I think I have a good reason to believe that they will be. There will be animals that we can enjoy in heaven. The first comes from Genesis. Which one was made first, animals or man? Animals. Pure earth, no sin, no nothing. Then mankind was created. Why were the animals created? For our enjoyment. For our enjoyment. Sin has not entered into the earth. We're enjoying what God has created. Everything is pure and perfect, and animals are there. I think about everything being restored. That's kind of part of what I think about. When Isaiah and the other prophets talk about the end times when God brings everything to a close and he just makes it all beautiful again, he talks about the wolf and the lamb lying down together, natural predator enemies. He talks about the little child that would be seated on the ground playing with the adder, which was the most poisonous snake they knew back in their day talks about all things being restored. And so my opinion, again, take that for what it is, is that everything will be there, including some animals. I think we will enjoy them. But back to mourning. We can mourn over animals. We can mourn over the loss of things that we've invested our lives in. We've had a flood. We've had a fire. We mourned over that. It's because that was a part of our lives. But we mourn most over people. And we bring that into their world. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. I think this one, we all kind of know what it means to be meek. I'm not going to be in charge of everything. I don't have to be. I'm not certainly going to be proud. I'm going to be humbled. But the part where most of us kind of struggle with is inherit the earth. What does that mean? I think that those who are always in charge of stuff, those who always have to be in the lead, those who always have to be making the decisions, uh, that are always unwilling to push pause and just relax and enjoy life, I think they use the earth for their own personal gain. Whereas those who are meek enjoy the earth. The way God intended. How many of you enjoying the fall colors? Aren't they just beautiful? Just beautiful. Just the colors themselves. And the leaves are falling. And you know what's coming next? What is it? Winter. Did anybody say that word? Winter. Winter's coming next, okay? How many of you love winter? Come on. Yeah, not too many of you. I love it. <laughs> I love winter for two weeks. Okay, I'm good with two weeks of winter. I like the snow. I like the sled ride. I like to throw snowballs, and I like to do all that stuff for about two weeks, and then I'm done. But it changes all the time. We get to enjoy the earth that God created. If you are meek and lowly of heart, it means that you enjoy life. You're just going to push back from stuff. And I think in that way, we inherit what God intended. He created the earth for our enjoyment. The meek, they inherit the earth. 
Blessed are they which are merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. They shall obtain because they give. Jesus said the same thing when he was talking about forgiveness. He said, in the same way that you forgive, you will be forgiven. In the same way that you show mercy, that's the way you're going to receive mercy. We've sung about mercy and grace and the forgiveness of God. And if we truly understand that within our own lives, then we are willing to give it to anybody around us. Even when they hurt us. Maybe especially when they hurt us. Because that's when we're so much like God. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. They understand it, and they give it. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, I think out of all of them, this is my favorite. I, I want you to do this. Jesus does eight. He, he gives eight of these. And I want you to pick out kind of a favorite for you. That Boy, that just makes me feel right. That makes me feel good. But then I want you to pick out at the end of the time, which one do I need to work on the most? Okay? I want you to go both directions with this. Pure in heart just resonates with me. And for this reason, when I think about heaven, I think about all the good stuff that's there. The streets that are just paved with gold. Why that? Because that which is most precious in our world will be nothing but dust under our feet. It's going to be that big deal about gold, right? And all the other things that come along with it, no more mourning or crying, old order of things has passed away, new orders come. You know what he also says with that? No impure thing will ever enter into it. Nothing impure. No locks on the doors. No nothing. I don't have to worry about somebody else's motive. I don't have to worry about what somebody else is thinking or doing. I don't even have to worry about my own motives. Now, we all question that at times. Blessed are the pure in heart, for that's who God is. If you want to be pure in heart, then you're wanting the right thing, because that's what heaven's going to be. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Because they're taking two parties that are warring factions that have hurt one another, don't agree with one another, and they're trying to bring about peace. That's not easy. That's not easy. But isn't that what our Lord did when he sent his son, Jesus, right? The sinless one, we were sinful. The one who is holy, the one who is not holy. And Jesus, being the peacemaker, was put on the cross. Very often, the peacemakers will get hurt. They do. This side doesn't understand this one's hurt and thinking they're compromising too much. Very often, it's a very dangerous place to be, is in that middle position, making peace. person once said, you know, the dangerous place to be when you're in a posse and you're going after the bad guys, the most dangerous place to be is in the front. 
leading the posse. Why? Because you've got bullets flying at you this way, but now you also got bullets flying from behind you, right? And every once in a while, you get hit with friendly fire. In that middle position, it's difficult. That's why God has called you to go there. You're not the one that's supposed to be stirring up trouble. You're supposed to be bringing about peace. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I don't think we in America know what it means to be persecuted. Not yet. I don't know what the future holds, but I know that in certain countries around our world right now, our brothers and our sisters in Christ are being persecuted. They are. A friend of mine told a story about when he went to Egypt and he got to speak to about 500 pastors, Egyptian pastors of Christianity. He said, Mike, it was the hardest thing I had to do because of who I had to follow. He said, the guy that got up just before me was one of their own pastors in Egypt. And he got up and he spoke. And near the end of his speech, what he was talking about, he then says, and I need to show you something. And he peels off his shirt and turns his back to the crowd and he has scars. We think of Egypt as being a moderate country. But he was beaten because he stands for Christ. And he's willing to preach it. We don't know what that is yet. I hope you never do. But will you be ready? I think some people even have a hard time with being excluded because of. I, I was out golfing two weeks ago and there were a group of guys and one guy is telling a story that, that I did not appreciate. So rather than laugh, I just kind of walked away. I didn't need to embarrass him by saying anything. He knew by my walking away. And he wouldn't be offering another joke like that, another story like that. Is it okay to be shunned? Persecuted for righteousness' sake. Doing the right things, being the right person, even though you're not going to be included at work, friendships, whatever it is. If we can't even go that far in our faith, how in the world could we be persecuted for righteousness? You see, we are to be a righteous people. We are the children of God. And I think that Jesus knew that's not easy for us to do. So the attitudes, the be attitudes, eight of them, he kind of works through that and just leaves them there for people to take home and think about them. I want you to do that this week. I, I never preach a sermon without giving homework, okay? I don't. That's your homework. Okay, two of them. Which one do you really enjoy? And which one do you really think you need to work on? Point number two, my last point. Jesus knew that in order to have the right attitude, the thing that we would need most is good, honest, genuine prayer. He tells about how to do it, how not to do it. When you pray... You shouldn't be like the hypocrites. When you do pray, you should do it this way. And he spends uh, quite a bit of time in chapter 6 right there on prayer, how to do it, how to do it correctly. And he says, don't do it like the pagans do, like the heathens do. They think that they will be heard 
because that's their long prayers. He says, man, don't, don't do that. So no vain repetition. And then he goes and teaches them how to pray. They are Father. I want you to share this together. Go ahead and flip the... Thank you. Let's all say this together, would you please? All right. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You know, when Jesus taught them this prayer, when you pray the words of Jesus, there is just something that happens inside of you. And I believe it's a very spiritual thing the Holy Spirit just uses. Is it okay to repeat? Yeah, I want you to repeat this prayer this week. Because every time you do, there might be a different word that comes out, and a, a different phrase becomes bold print for you. Just something different that when you pray this prayer, you'll understand a little better the rest of what you ought to be praying about. You know my favorite part of this? It really is. My favorite part of this one prayer is the very beginning, our Father. Jesus didn't say, my Father. The very Son of God who came to earth took you and me and included us and said, let's go to our Father in heaven. What a precious opportunity for you, for me, to go to the Almighty, the God of the universe, and pray our hearts before him, our Father. If you know this prayer, I'd like for you to pray it with me just now, and we'll close. Father, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, thank you for including us. Uh, you created all things here on this earth for our pleasure, but you created us for your pleasure. That we would have relationship with you, that we would walk with you daily here in this sinful world, but someday when all things are restored, we'll get to walk with you in purity. Look forward to that day. Until then, give us the strength, give us the wisdom to know how to walk it in righteousness prayer in Jesus' name.